0: You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome in to a special Thursday edition of the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Connor Newcomb. On today's episode, it is all about Freddie Galvis, the Orioles' surprisingly made a major league signing this week. Not something I or, or a lot of us really expected them to do this offseason, especially with all of the cost-cutting measures uh, that Michael Elias and his staff uh, had gone through so far in this offseason. But the Orioles did make a major league signing, and I know it wasn't a big one, but it does give you – Just a little bit of hope that uh, they're not going to try and sell off literally everyone uh, before opening day here in 2021. And they have added their shortstop. Of course, the Orioles had a shortstop in Jose Iglesias, who had an incredible 2020. They picked up his team option for 2021, uh, but then dealt him to the Angels uh, back in the winter for a couple of prospects. And uh, it really left a spot at shortstop open. Now, of course, the Orioles have Richie Martin, you know, coming back who missed all of 2020 with injury, who played a lot of shortstop in 2019, and they had some other guys on the roster like Yomer Sanchez and, and potentially uh, a guy like Ryland Bannon who could fill in at that shortstop spot. But you know, it always felt like if Elias was going to make one major league move, it would be to bring in a veteran shortstop to fill that gap in 2021, and. A lot of that has to do with the fact that, yes, Richie Martin is going to be on this team, but there's still a lot of question marks about him. He still hasn't hit very well. He's coming off the injury, and it came out yesterday that he actually has a broken hamate bone in his other wrist. Remember, he broke a bone in his wrist last year that kept him out of the season. Just over this weekend, he broke a bone in the opposite wrist. Uh, They're saying he should be good to go. By opening day, but we will see how that hinders Martin and his offense, which has already really sputtered uh, in his career so far, and and this just makes it make even more sense for the Orioles to bring in Freddie Galvis, who they signed uh, the other day to a one-year, 1.5 million dollar deal, and Mike Elias saying yesterday in his Zoom press conference that Galvis will be the starting shortstop for the Orioles going into spring training. So today. We are focused on Galvis taking a look at his career and how he got here and then uh, what he can bring to the Orioles in 2021. A little bit later, uh, Jeff Carr, who is the host of Locked On Reds here on the Locked On Podcast Network, is going to join us to talk about Galvis, uh, who spent the back half of 2019 and all of 2020 playing shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, he will chat with us about what we can expect from Galvis at this point in his career. But just kind of the breakdown on Freddie Galvis and what he's given uh, before getting to Baltimore. Now 31 years old, he turned 31 back in November. A Native of Venezuela, five foot ten, switch hitting shortstop uh, who can play a little second base as well if you need him to. He uh, was initially signed out of Venezuela by the Philadelphia Phillies back in 2006 and made his major league debut in Philly in 2012 at age 22. Now he played in 58 games that year with the Phillies. He was a 226 hitter. He had 3 home runs. He was really a defense first utility guy that year uh, who did get some time as a starter as well. And he he stuck around on some some pretty bad Philly teams for the next couple of years uh, as kind of an up and down between Triple A and the majors guy and also, you know, kind of a a bench infielder, a a fifth infielder of sorts, played 70 games in 2013, just 43 games in 2014. His offense really went way down. He hit just 176 that year, spent a lot more of the season in Triple A. But 2015 at age 25 is when he finally became at least a full time major leaguer when it felt like he was going to be on the major league roster for the entirety of the year. He played in 151 games. Uh, with the Phillies in 2015, as that was the year, you know, he finally got a starting spot. He was the Phillies' starting shortstop all year in 2015. Uh, he was a 263 hitter with a 645 OPS, seven homers, and 14 doubles. Again, not a huge bat, uh, but at least the batting average did go up and the defense was there as well. Got that job again in 2016. Offensive numbers, you know, stayed right around Pat. Uh, But the one thing that really jumped in 2016 is he found the power in that switch hitting bat. He went from seven homers in 603 plate appearances in 2015 to 20 home runs in 624 plate appearances in 2016 when he played 158 games. So, you know, the rest of the offensive numbers were fairly similar, even, even a little lower, but the power went so far up. You know, he went from 14 doubles to 26 doubles and seven home runs to 20 home runs. And he also stole a career high 17 bases that year as well. He was much more valuable uh, for the Phillies in that 2016 season where he was again their starting shortstop. And, and that value continued because they realized, you know, that, that he could be an everyday player. And in both 2017 and 2018, Freddie Galvez played all 162 games in 2017 with Philly again was the starting shortstop. Uh, he had a 690 OPS that year playing all 162 games, which was a career high. Uh, the power went down a bit to 12 homers, but he also set a new career high with 29 doubles that year as he continued uh, to get better and better uh, on, frankly, some, some not so great Philly teams. But, uh, you know, with one year left on his contract with the Phillies after that 2017 season, And, you know, still a a somewhat rebuilding ball club. Uh, The Phillies dealt him to the Padres in December of 2017. Uh, Ennio De Los Santos, a right-hander, was the return who has not been great in the big leagues with the Phillies. And uh, Galvis went over to San Diego and once again showed his durability. In 2018 with the Padres, he played all 162 games in San Diego as their starting shortstop. And, uh, you know, the offense was was all right. Uh, the OPS went down a bit to 680 at a 248 average 13 homers. But he did set what is still his career high at 31 doubles that season in San Diego. And, and honestly, it was one of those years where, you know, he went to a much bigger ballpark from Philly to San Diego. And that might have been why uh, the, the doubles were up but the home runs, you know, weren't at that 20 mark. But he still hit 13 long balls that year. And, uh, of course, that was his only year in San Diego because he was a free agent that year. And uh, he signed a contract with Toronto before the 2019 season. And he joined the Blue Jays in 2019. And this is the interesting part, which we'll talk about with Jeff as well. His time with Toronto was the best offensive numbers he had put up in his career. He ended up playing 115 games with the Blue Jays. Uh, he hit 267, which is uh, still a career high in batting average. Uh, he had a 444 slugging percentage, a career high, and a seven forty-three OPS, which is also a career high. And he hit 18 home runs in just 473 plate appearances, which per plate appearance was his highest uh, home run rate so far. Also had 24 doubles. But the Blue Jays were in an interesting spot because they had all those young infielders coming up. And so they actually DFA'd Galvis despite how well he was performing offensively, having his best offensive season. And Cincinnati scooped him up, and he played the final 32 games of 2019 with the Reds. And his offensive numbers were all right, but they did go a tick down. And then in 2020 with the Reds, uh, he played 47 games in the 60 game season, hit 220 with a career best or a career second best, excuse me, 308 on base percentage, a 712 OPS for him. Just the second time in his career, his OPS was over 700. He had seven home runs and five doubles on the year with uh, Cincinnati last year where he you know played mostly shortstop but did uh, you know play about 100 innings at second base as well for Cincinnati. So that's kind of how he got here. You look at his full career, uh, he's just under 1000 games played, 998 career games, a career 247 hitter, 291 on base, 677 career OPS for Galvis. Also close to that 100 home run mark. He's got 95 in his career. So he's been around the block as a switch hitter, and, you know, it's interesting because, yes, he is now 31, but you could argue 2019 and 2020 with Toronto and Cincinnati, he's coming off the two best offensive seasons of his career, and the defense is still there. He is a great defensive shortstop, and that's going to be huge for the Orioles' young pitchers as well, but, you know, he might be getting better and better, it looks like, as a hitter now he is a switch hitter in his career he's already or he's always been a little bit better uh from the left side um at least his power has uh has come from that side but you know he he's a fairly even uh hitter from both sides really you know it's not a, a huge difference uh between both of those sides and then you you know you kind of stare into the 2020 splits and uh you know it's kind of the same thing a, a little better from the left side uh, but but he's a, a pretty even switch hitter who you're okay facing righties and lefties and and then you get the defense as well from Freddie Galvis. He's been a pretty good shortstop in his career. Was worth four defensive runs saved uh, per FanGraphs in 2019. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to be solid behind a young Orioles pitching staff. And it's just going to be like Iglesias. And, but the difference is, you know, Iglesias couldn't stay on the field last year. He DH'd a lot. He missed a lot of games. Galvis, you remember just a couple years ago, played back-to-back 162-game seasons. He's been really, really uh, not just productive, but but healthy and have been able to stay in the lineup. And, and you dive deeper into his numbers, you know, you, you don't take too much into account from 2020 because it's only 47 games, obviously a small sample size for everyone involved in last year's odd season. But you look at his exit velocity numbers. They've gone up every year of his career since 2015, including a career high 88.8 in 2019. Uh, His barrel percentage has gone up every single year since 2019. So he's, he's really hitting the ball harder and harder. And, you know, Zips at Fangraphs, they give projections uh for each player and his projection is 143 games which you would think you know if it's the Orioles starting shortstop 13 home runs 25 doubles Uh, they project him to hit 245 with a 300 on base and a 682 ops and be worth about one war uh, in 2021 i think the orioles would take that out of a 31 year old shortstop who they signed for one year and 1.5 million so that's how Galvis is going to fit in with the Orioles, and that's you know really how his career has gone so far. But we gave you his stats in Cincinnati over the last year and a half, but wanted to talk to someone who really watched him play every day uh, over the last season and a quarter about, and that is Jeff Carr. He is the host of Locked On Reds here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, he is going to join us coming up after the break to talk about Galvis's uh, end of 2019 and 2020 uh, with the Reds. What you know he saw from him with the bat getting better and the defense still there, and what the Orioles should expect from Galvis this season. So that's all coming up again after the break with Locked On Reds host Jeff Carr. So we will get to that interview in just a second, but first, got to tell you about the sponsors of today's show, and that starts with Built Bar, the delicious and nutritious protein bar that. Basically tastes just like a candy bar. You won't even know you're eating a protein bar. It's got its 12 OG flavors that we've talked about before, including coconut, almond, raspberry, and German chocolate. But it's got six new ones as well, like carrot cake and cherry barcia. And built Bars are healthy as well. That's the big thing. They're good for you, and they taste great as well. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. Just take a look at the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein and just 180 calories. So if you're interested in getting your hands on some of these delicious and healthy protein bars, go to BuiltBar.com use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. One reason to prepare and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like a mortgage or food. But why would you choose to spend 30, 50 or hundred percent more for the same exact auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Instead, you can go to rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do it yourselfers. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and to let us know that we sent you right locked on Orioles in their How did you hear about us box? When you go to rockauto.com and look for your auto parts. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, so we welcome Jeff Carr back to the podcast. He is the host of Locked On Reds here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, Jeff, this uh, is a little bit of deja vu here. We bring you on to talk about an Orioles shortstop free agent signing uh, just under a year after you did the exact same thing back in 2020, but welcome back to the podcast.
0: I'm, I'm happy to be back here, Connor. Yeah. And talking about the same thing. In fact, let me pull up my notes from last year. All right, I'm ready to go.
1: <laughs> and so, you know, Orioles fans have already, you know, connected on the joke because, you know, I've learned that as a rebuilding franchise and, you know, even though the Orioles had a, a pretty good run in the mid to uh, in the mid 2010s, they've been bad for most of this century. And I think the worse your team is, the funnier jokes and memes your internet community gets off. (laughs) And so within seconds, you know, every Orioles account had the joke that the O's are just scouting former red shortstops. And so that's where we are. The Orioles have signed Freddie Galvis to a one year, $1 million free agent contract. Of course, last year, they did almost the same thing signing Jose Iglesias um, from the Reds. So my first question is, who will the Reds' next shortstop be so I know who will be at short for the Orioles in
0: 2022? And that is a good question because they've been in on Simeon and he went to the Blue Jays. They've been in on Simmons and he went to the Twins. Uh, reports are that they're focusing on DD Gregorius, but kind of like I joked on the wonderful twitter.com, that's like looking in your fridge and focusing on the final craft beer that's surrounded by all the other light beers. You just kind of have to at that point. Uh, so it's still kind of up in the air. They've got Jose Garcia in house, but lots of people kind of think that he's not ready. Needs another year, maybe in triple a to kind of get his confidence up at the plate because defensively he was fantastic and kind of showed why the reds had some confidence in him taking over the shortstop spot from Freddie Galvis. Uh, But I'm not sure right now who the opening day shortstop is going to be. I think he's Mr. Mr outside hire at this point but you kind of mentioned and reds fans are in the same boat as the orioles the last decade and a half really pretty much since i've been alive which is more than a decade and a half but hasn't been the best of times for the reds and lots of funny jokes out there i mean we talk about the the goat skip schumacher uh, guys like that you know you really elevate utility players because that's what the uh, franchises that you're rooting for are doing they're turning utility players into everyday guys but you know there are some hopeful good times on the uh, horizon right yeah and it's not only turning utility guys
1: into everyday guys but it's turning you know maybe middling everyday guys into one of the best hitting shortstops in baseball and that's what the Orioles did with Jose Iglesias last year after signing him from the Reds you know I went back and listened to a, a little snippet of our conversation from just around this time last year, and neither of us predicted Jose Iglesias to hit 373 and basically bat third in the Orioles' order all season, but that's what he did. So now we turn our attention to Freddie Galvis, who, again, the Orioles have signed to a one-year, $1 million deal uh, to be their starting shortstop. Mike Elias said today in his press conference, Freddie Galvis is coming into camp as the starting shortstop. And uh, so he's going to get his shot. And obviously we have you on because Galvis spent you know, the last chunk of 2019 with the Reds and then all of 2020. And I know his offensive numbers weren't fantastic in his you know season and a half with the Reds. But, you know, what was kind of the overall sense of, of what Cincinnati got from Freddie Galvis in albeit 79 games because of the weird timing that he was
0: with the Reds? I'm really hoping this isn't exactly what I said with Jose Iglesias, but he brings stability. He brings a nice baseline. You're going to understand that he's going to man shortstop for you, and you're not going to worry too much about him. Every so often he's going to make an error here or there. His glove is not as good as Jose Iglesias's was, but he does have a little bit of pop. He can hit you a home run or two. I definitely would not guess that he's going to hit 373, but uh, kind of a funny note on that. There were a couple of folks on the wonderful – twitter.com that like to point out uh, Jose Iglesias stats as the season went on because I was an advocate of moving on and seeing what's next and and he killed it in Camden yard so yeah I was like oh all right well let's see what Freddie Galvis does because I think you're getting probably not a ton of risk but you're also not getting a ton of upside he's just a guy that you can plug and play in that starting lineup and not worry about him
1: and and that's one thing the Orioles want and you know, that was kind of the same reason they brought in Iglesias. It was, let's get a veteran guy who's been around, who's going to play a good defensive shortstop behind our young starting pitchers yeah. and get a guy who, you know, they obviously assumed Jose Iglesias would hit seventh or eighth in their order. Obviously that went much better for them last <laughs> yeah. year, but that's the plan for Freddie Galvis. You know, if I had to guess right now, he's going to start at shortstop, probably going to be in the eight hole uh, for the Orioles in, on opening day would, would be my, my loose guess, right now, but, but him last year, you know, I don't want to take too much from, from 32 games in 2019, but then you look at it and it's like, wow, you know, it was only 47 games in 2020 because of the shortened season. But right. last year he, he plays in 47 games. He gets about 160 plate appearances, 220 average 308 on base, a, a 712 OPS uh, for Galvis. And to be honest, you know, those numbers aren't great. Uh, he did have seven home runs and five doubles they actually ended up above his career average when you kind of look at all the stats combined. So what was kind of the expectation, you know, this is kind of a good sense I like to get from somebody who watches the games. What was your expectation in 2020 when Galvis would step to the plate?
0: It was, it was definitely, um, I would be surprised if the upside was super high Uh, coming into the year. There were lots of people, including myself that were wondering, is Freddie Galvis the weakest link on the team? And honestly, if the weakest link on the team still has an OPS over 700, you're doing all right. And there were actually a couple of folks that had an OPS less than 700, so he didn't even end up being the weakest. But he's just a guy that you look at and you almost look past him because he's not jumping out at you in any one way. He's not, oh, hey, he's a huge risk, like, oh, my gosh, injury risk this. He's very durable. And he's going to be, you know, from all reports, a pretty decent clubhouse guy as well, but he's also not going to wow you. There's going to be a couple of home runs that he hits in the year that you're going to be like, whoa, I forgot our shortstop. Yes. He's in the lineup. He did good. But for the most part, you know, he's just going to be all right there at the bottom of the lineup. And I, I, I didn't expect him to lose the Reds games, but I also didn't expect him to be the guy that won them games. And that's kind of what we got.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting how he got to Cincinnati in the first place because, you know, he he latched on with Toronto before the 2019 season. And through 115 games, Freddie Galvis was having the best offensive season of his career in Toronto. But, of course, the Blue Jays were looking down the line and the Bo Bichettes and the Vlad Guerreros and the Kevin Vigios were all ready to go. So it was kind of a weird spot in Toronto where he was kind of peaking but was still getting DFA'd because of the young guys they wanted to bring up. And so he got to Cincinnati. Was it disappointing at all that he did, you know, not hit to that level down the stretch in 2019 with the Reds?
0: A little bit, but on the same token, everybody understood like, hey, the Reds are getting this dude off waivers. So we're not going to go too high with the expectations. I mean, you always have those folks that like to remind you that the Reds got Brandon Phillips for a player to be named later stuff like that but on the same token I, I didn't put too much on him to continue that although it would have been a lot cooler if he did and and you know
1: you mentioned all the possible short stops that the Reds will now be looking at where would you say on the list was just reuniting with Freddie Galvis instead of going after one of these other free agents
0: um, reuniting with Freddie Galvis would be On the tier of the list of oh boy, okay, who else did we spend money on? Because it's not to say that he's bad. I mean, I've been saying that he's a solid dude, a solid major leaguer that you're not going to worry too much about. But on the whole, with the Reds, you know, making the playoffs for what that's worth, they didn't score a run and they got swept by the Braves, but with them kind of opening up the window of contention last season. We expected more. We expected the Reds to go out and get a semi, to go out and get a semi. So Galvis was kind of low on that list of, all right, hopefully they spent the money elsewhere.
1: And and now you look at it, you know, he's coming off of, I mean, obviously the shortened season makes this harder to say, but you could argue his last two years between Toronto and Cincinnati have been the best two offensive years of his career. And that's not saying a lot because he's always been a a defense first middle infielder, but he seems like at least, you know, with seven homers last year, 23 home runs in 2019, he's starting to come around to the times and that the pop is showing up a little bit better in his bat. So, you know, from that and knowing what his defense is, I know this is something I asked you a year ago about Jose Iglesias, but you know, he comes into a rebuilding team as the starting shortstop on a one-year, $1 million deal. You know, from you watching him for the last year and a half, what would you say the the best case scenario, and and is there maybe a, a worst case scenario for
0: Galvis and the Orioles in twenty twenty one? I would think. Let's start off with the bad news. I think bad news is he's just not healthy because that's something that he's not shown yet. He's been pretty durable during his career, and I think the bad news or the bad the the lowest floor for him would be that he's not as available as you're hoping he is. I think the upside for him is probably an average around 260, 270, uh, maybe an on-base percentage almost 33% of the time, you know, something like that, uh, and a slugging percentage that gets his OPS up over 750. I'd, I'd say if you got a, if you got a Freddie Galvis that's hitting an OPS over 750, you've had a very good year, and especially for $1 million, right? I mean, you're looking at one year, $1 million. The risk is not there. It's not something that you're going to uh, hound the Orioles front office for taking a risk on him so I I think that overall you expect him to hit at the bottom of the lineup he gets you over let's say over 20 home runs I think you're going to be really happy with that and then last thing for you you know
1: this is something important for the Orioles too because with the way they're building this team and the way they're bringing prospects up now really to start in 2021 and the way they're cutting salary He's going to be one of the older guys in that clubhouse. He's going to be one of the few veterans in that clubhouse. So at least you, you know, seeing him for a season and a half with the Reds, you know, it, does he bring, you know, some sort of, of leadership as well that can, you know, at least for his year, help the Orioles and, and help out some some young infielders they have as well?
0: I definitely think so. I, I remember hearing poor reports from Jose Garcia in spring training and uh, also in the shortened season as well, whenever they called him up that he really had built a rapport with Freddie Galvis and Galvis is kind of a leadership mentality. And that if a young guy has questions, if he's looking to learn the game and stuff, Freddie Galvis will help him out with that. So I, I think that's probably, especially among the baseball writers that covered the Reds were their favorite qualities with him and something that whenever he was a star of the game and he was a guy that they were interviewing on their zoom conference calls that they were happy to have him because he was knowledgeable and something that he can pass along. And I think that that's the perfect thing you need for a rebuilding franchise.
1: Yeah, the Orioles are going to, you know, continue to, to grab these one year shortstops, you know, they have some shortstops in their system, but uh, they're, they're pretty low in the ranks right now. So they're, they're going to be plug-and-play guys for a couple years. And as we said at the top, uh, we'll see who the Reds sign this year, and maybe that guy will be an Oriole next year. Uh, but, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, before you go, let everybody know where they can check out uh, your podcast if uh, they want to know a little bit more about the Reds as well.
0: Well, Connor, thanks for having me, man. You do good work, and I'm looking forward to listening to you this season. You can listen to the Lockdown Reds podcast wherever you get the Lockdown Orioles podcast. And you can find my takes on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Lockdown Reds as well. And if you ever want to drop a text, question, call, whatever you got, 513-549-0159.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff. Good luck to uh, the on-base God and Joey Votto and the Reds in 2021. Thank you, sir. So again, our thanks to Jeff Carr, the host of Locked On Reds here on the Locked On Podcast Network, for joining us, you know, as we said, just uh, under a year later uh, to talk about another former Red shortstop. Orioles signed Jose Iglesias last year after he had been with the Reds, and now they get Freddie Galvis this year after he had been uh, with Cincinnati. But just to to wrap up on Freddie Galvis, you know, I think this is a good signing for the Orioles. We obviously thought if they did sign a major league guy, it would be a shortstop, and this is a good... Good guy to to come in and fill the hole left by Iglesias. You know, you get a switch hitter in there, you get a good defensive player in there, and you get a guy who's quietly his offensive numbers are getting better and better over the last couple of years. And, and the Orioles will take that. You know, you look at the guys that the O's have in this order. I would expect Galvis to, to, you know, come in somewhere at the seven or eight hole uh, and start at shortstop on opening day. Uh, but I like this move for the Orioles overall. Again, just going to be 1.5 million dollars for the one year. It gives them some flexibility. If if he really hits the ball and it's a full season, you know, he could always be traded at the deadline and, and try to get some more prospects in. And if not, you know, he's a good. Space filler uh, for the entire season at shortstop until you know the Orioles really start thinking about you know that younger wave of of shortstop coming up. That's the one thing with the Orioles, you know, they don't have a lot of infielders uh, who are really close uh, to the major league level. You know, you got all those all those shortstops who uh, you know have a lot of high upside. For the Orioles in the system, you know, obviously Gunnar Henderson being that top name, but Anthony Servidio and, and Jordan Westberg in there as well, uh, among others who have been drafted over the last couple of years. But but they are much lower um, in the system. and It's going to take them a couple of years to get to the bigs. So you know there might be placeholders and and Richie Martin for the next couple of seasons, and Galvis is uh, going to come in and be one of those guys. Uh, but you know the Orioles weren't just the only team making moves. There were you know, plenty of other moves made over the last. A couple of days, of course, we heard about the Hall of Fame announcement with no players getting in. Uh, the Yankees made a couple of moves. They traded Adam out Vito and then they signed Darren O'Day. They are putting back together a 2014 Orioles bullpen with Britton and O'Day back there as well. The Mets traded Steven Matz uh, to the Blue Jays. Blue Jays also signed Marcus Semien. Uh, overall, a, a lot of uh, a wheeling and dealing kind of going on. Uh, right now in baseball. Also, the Yankees picked up uh, Jamison Tyon from uh, the Pirates as well. So they were uh, they were pretty active. But, you know, there's a lot going on in baseball and uh, there's a lot going on, you know, in the world of sports in general. And And you can get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. You can start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're checking that one out, make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Orioles podcasts on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you're listening. Give us a rating and a review if you can. That really, really helps out the pod. Uh, So that's it for this week as we came to you on a Thursday because we had a little breaking news with the Galvis signing. Uh, The plan is to be back with you on Monday. However, if the Orioles do make uh, any other moves, we know there's some rumors out there, uh, we will come back with you uh, with an emergency podcast sometime this weekend. But if not, we will see you back here on Monday on the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.